0: Well, why are we just all hyped up right now? Why don't we just all say this after me? Say, I am, I am essential, essential to God. God. One more time. I am, I am essential, essential to God. God. The title of my message is called Essential. Lord, today we thank you right now, once again, that there is no time and space with you. God, you are moving by your spirit in the homes. Just like you did 2,000 years ago when there was no such thing as a church building. But you moved from house to house, from town to town, from village to village. Let that anointing now permeate this place, I pray, through, Lord God, those, those camera lenses and into the homes of people, Lord God. Wherever they may be, watching it live or watching it later recorded, Father God. Thank you, Lord God, that your presence is here to heal, to deliver, and to set free. Thank you that your anointing is present, Lord God, to remove every burden and to destroy every yoke of bondage today. Let revelation knowledge flow freely from my lips to your people. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen and amen. my wife uh, alluded to it just a moment ago. Pastor Robin talked about it for just a moment ago that um, you probably heard that the governor has extended um, our stay at home uh, season, um, our quarantine through the month of May. And, um, and so obviously that's not what we wanted to hear. Um, But we're going to support that as long as we possibly can. I've told the church from the very beginning, if uh, it becomes a a thing where it's just ridiculous, then we'll make make adjustments at that time. But right now, we're going to continue with with that process. But it's interesting to me how something we never heard of before is now dictating to us how we're to live. Corona has spoken. Corona has spoken and has decided what is essential and what is non-essential. You might say, well, that's crazy because Corona doesn't have a mouth, so how can it say anything at all? Well, the fig tree didn't have a mouth either, but it was telling Jesus, I've got no fruit for you. The wind and waves of the sea of Galilee didn't have a mouth, but it was telling the disciples, you're going to drown today. The cupboards of the widow's house didn't have a mouth either, but they were saying there's not enough for you to eat and you're not going to make it. The jail cell of the apostle Paul didn't have a mouth, but it was telling him day after day, everybody's forgotten about you and nobody cares Your problem may not have a mouth, but it does have a voice. And if you let it, it will speak and tell you what's important, what's not important, what's essential and what's not essential. Don't let Corona change your destiny. Don't let corona change your course. Don't let it whisper in your ear to make decisions, for you to make decisions of fear rather than decisions of faith. Don't let financial trouble tell you that you're not going to have a future. Don't allow the doctor's report to tell you that you're not going to make it. The Bible says, whose report shall we believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. I'm here to tell you your problem may have a mouth, but it does have a voice. But the greater voice is the voice of Almighty God. And when you speak the word of God, It brings salvation and deliverance on the scene. Can somebody say amen? God began to reveal to me how that Jonah right now prophetically speaks to us. I didn't, I've never done a message on Jonah in my entire life. I told my wife, I don't even know how this is going to come together, but I keep hearing Jonah in my spirit that something is up prophetically. My God, when I started looking at the scriptures, somebody say amen for the scriptures of God. Because when you hear the scriptures of God, you start seeing life. You start seeing how God begins to move and shape. And even though he did that thousands of years ago, he's still doing it right now. It's as pertinent, as real, and as powerful and alive now as it was then. The word of God is able to change your life. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the divine son of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and to discern of the thoughts and intents of your heart. The word of God is above God's very name, the Bible said, forever settled in heaven. I think we can trust the word of God today. I feel pumped up. and My God, I'm preaching like we got thousands in here today. Well, we got thousands watching us. Amen. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 1. It says this Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. Everybody say, Arise. I've noticed with God that every time there's a downturn in somebody's life, he says, Get off off your butt. Get up off your trouble. Quit talking about how bad life is. Arise. Come on, arise out of your situation and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. In other words, church, it was imperative that Nineveh flattened the curve. Y'all didn't hear that. Even my amen corn didn't understand that. Everybody been talking about flattening the curve. You know, we got to stay at home so we can slow the spread of corona. We got to flatten the curve. The Bible says that their wickedness have come up to heaven. So now the curve is reaching up. It's going up, 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 up. And God wants us to learn to flatten it. What's happening is they're heading in the wrong direction and they're heading there fast. And God says enough is enough. God told Jonah to arise and cry out. So the question this morning is, Who will arise and who's going to stand up and cry out? Who will arise and cry out for the healing of our nation? Who's going to arise and cry out for a move of God's spirit? Who will arise and cry out for the justice of the unborn? Who will arise and cry out against the sin and moral decay of the church? Somebody has got to stand up and tell the truth. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1 says, cry loud and spare not. Cry loud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and show me people and show them their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Everybody say the house of Jacob. I can't hear you, but I can hear them. I'm here to tell you the house of Jacob means it's a latter-day church. you got, you got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, always in those threes. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is the last day's church. And he's saying, I want you to stand up, speak out, and spare not, and tell the last day's church that their sin has been overwhelming. Their wickedness has reached the tops of heaven. This is not a time to play games. I am not saying to take a Bible, a 20-pound Bible, and beat somebody over top the head. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying this. If you got a child that's running out in the street that happens to not be your kid, but you go, you know, I know they're running towards that street, and here comes a big Mack truck coming down the highway, and it's going to hurt them, but I don't want to offend them. And I don't want to offend their parents because we're good friends. If I yell at them, what's that going to look like to me? If I cry out and spare not and say I'm going to just go ahead and warn them anyways, I might lose my friendship. Are you crazy? If you see someone running down the street, a little child, anybody, you're going to scream, stop! You must stop. Why? Because you know that impending doom is coming and destruction and death is coming. Where's the church to arise and cry out and say enough is enough. Destruction and impending doom is coming. We've got to begin to do what God called us to do. Church, the, the first essential thing that must happen to flatten the curve of judgment is Repentance. Let me say that again. The first essential thing that must happen is to flatten the curve of judgment is we must repent. God loved Nineveh. God had a plan for Nineveh, but Nineveh could not be saved from judgment unless they repented. Did you hear what I said? Nineveh could not be saved, spared from judgment unless they repented. It's repentance that stops judgment. It's repentance that sets the captive free. It's repentance that corrects the course. You see, repentance is a gift from God to turn everything around for your good. In other words, y'all, I'm walking one direction, but I'm going the wrong way. But God in his mercy, God in his love says, son, that's the wrong way. I need you to repent. Repent doesn't say this. Oh, you're right, Lord. I'm sorry about that. And keep moving the right, that wrong direction. Repentance says, Lord, I'm sorry. Thank you now. I'm going to start moving in the right direction. Are y'all following me so far? Repentance means to turn around, but it also means this. Not doing a, I'm to do a 360. Don't do a 360. You'll end up where you were. Do a 180. Turn the direct opposite direction. But repentance also means this. It means to return to the top. To repent, the penthouse. To go back to the pent. Are y'all flowing me so far? So repentance puts you in good standing. It rights all the wrongs. You better thank God for 1 John 1.9 that says, If I confess my sin. If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I thank God for the power of 1 John 1, 9 every day of my life. It's not a time to walk in your own way. It's a time to be repentant before God. Have a contrite heart. Be lowly and not highly. The Lord is talking to us now. He's saying be lowly and not highly. I must decrease that. He must increase. Live a life of repentance. That's the first way. That's the first essential to flattening the curve in your life. Judgment may be coming to the world, but not to the person that has repented before God. I knew this was going to preach, but I didn't know it was going to preach like this. It's prophetic. Look at verse number three. But Jonah arose. Well, okay, he got that part right. See, he's, he's doing what God said. He arose. But watch this. He arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. God said, arise. He said, okay, but I'm not going to go your way. I'm going to do it my way. I didn't know this was the Burger King religion. Burger King says you can have it your way. This isn't your way. This is Yahweh. Whatever God says, God gets. Amen. I'm preaching real good right now. I hope no one's turning me off because they think I'm too hard. But I got to tell the truth and shame the devil today. It'll set you free. The truth will set you free. So he said he arose and went to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship there going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. Remember that. He paid the fare and went down into it, the boat, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Bible says that Jonah was trying to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you running away from the presence of the Lord? And if you are, why are you running away from the presence of the Lord? I got an answer for you. I know what it is because we see that Adam, the first man in the beginning of time and his wife Eve, the Bible says they had all the luxuries of the garden. It was theirs for the taking. God said, this is yours. The only thing I ask is for the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's my tree. Don't touch and don't eat it lest you die. We know the temptation got the better than the enemy, beguiled them and tricked them and ate of the tree. And the Bible says instantly their eyes were open and they knew their nakedness. And the first thing they did, the Bible says, is they went and hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. So when your eyes are now on sin and not on God, I just said a thing right there. When you're now involved in sin and not involved in the things of God, the first thing you're going to do is to hide yourself from the present Lord because guilt and shame and condemnation comes. But i got good news. Let's, try, let's go right back where we were. First John 1.9 says, If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So when I repent, it puts me back in right relationship with God. I don't got a head for the tree. But Adam, Adam, the Bible said the first thing he did was just like, just like Jonah. He did what? He fled to the trees. Watch this, y'all. He did what? He moved outside of where God had called him, and now he's on the peripheral. He's on the edges. See, God never called you to look from the outside in. God has always given you and wanted to give you insider information. He wants you to see from the inside out. The kingdom is where? It's within you. That's the wisdom of God. That's the ways of God. That's the righteousness of God or his ways of being right are inside of you. God's always desired for you to have the insider tip to know how to live a function and a perfect life. But instead, sin... Made him what? Made him flee from the presence of the Lord. Put him on the peripheral, looking in, going, you know, remember the days how it used to be? How great it used to be? How I used to follow God? How it used to be such a great life for me to live? That's what I'm talking about here today. When will you get tired of running away from God? I thought, I thought when I was a young man, I, 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 I knew the Lord at a young age. And I served the Lord. I knew him like I knew him, like I prayed as a little kid. And things came to pass. My parents served God faithfully. And and so there was never a struggle for me uh, understanding who God was and his abilities in my life. I saw him. I saw the fruit of him every day in my life. But there came a point in my life where I decided to walk away from God when I was a teenager. Knowingly, I walked away from God. And um, I remember thinking... That I could hide from him. I didn't think I was running from him. But I remember thinking that, you know, if I do just this, it won't be that big a deal with God. I'm always always thinking how I could barter with God. Then one day I just recognized I was outside. Now I'm on the peripheral. And I'm looking in. Now I'm no longer in the, what I would call, deemed the grace, good graces of God. I'm living my own life on the peripheral. In other words, I no longer fit in. I had a place. But now that I decided to walk away from God, I no longer fit in anywhere. I could go to the greatest party there was, and everybody's having a good time. And I might have a good time for the first 30 minutes, having a good time. But next thing you know, I'm on the peripheral. I'm on the peripheral, and I'm going, why in the world? I'm not enjoying myself. I'm having no fun. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We got some backsliders in the house. Hallelujah. We're real up here in Faith Builders. Hallelujah. Some of your team up here have been backsliding a couple times. Hallelujah. We've all had these feelings in our life. and so now I, I, I'm because I'm in my sin, I'm hiding from God at the party at, at the at the, the whatever I'm involved in at that time and I'm thinking that I'm, I'm thinking that I'm getting away with something, but I noticed I never quite fit in. I was miserable. I had no joy. What was I doing? I was running hard from God, thinking I could hide. Psalms 1397 this is good news for the person that's been running a little bit. Where can I go from the presence of God? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Everybody say mercy. That's the mercy of God that though I forsook him, he did not forsake me if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God's presence is God's mercy. If you've got God's presence, you've got God's mercy. Why? His word says he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. His grace is ever present in time of trouble. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says he will will be with you, and even in old age, he will uphold you. The Bible says his mercy endures for all generations, and they shall see the goodness of our God. Who's ready for God? Who's ready for more of the presence of God in your life? I am Why? I want and I need his mercy every day of my life. How can I think that I can hide from him? The devil will shame you. He'll make you think that God's not with you if you sin, if you make mistakes, if you transgress against God's word. He'll make you feel like a bum, like like you deserve to be on the outside looking in, but that's not God. He gives us the essential purpose of the gift of repentance to get it back right. Let's look back at verse number 3. Are y'all getting something so far? So Jonah paid the fare to go to Tarshish and went into the boat. But the Lord, verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Church, the Bible says that Jonah paid the fare. In other words, he paid the price for going to Tarsus. He paid the price for moving outside of the will of God. Statement, you will always pay a dear price for moving outside of God's will for your life. That's why you think, why am I in this relationship be nothing but hell? It's because you're not supposed to be in that relationship. I know you're lonely. I know you need a man. I know you need a woman. I know you want to get married. And all That's wonderful and fine and good. It has its place. But it also has a time and it also has the right person. And I'm going to tell you something, all hell will break out. And by, by the way, I know I'm i to live long enough in life to know you can fall in love with anybody. Love does not make it the will of God. I just said something real big right there. Love does not make, I'm in love, therefore it's God. That's not, no, no I, I can fall in love with anything I give my heart to. No, that's not what it is. The will of God is far greater than that. And I'm going to tell you something, you can't miss it. The only way you miss it is when you want to do your things your way. And now you got the ticket in your hand because you paid the price to go the wrong direction in your life. And as a result of his disobedience, the Bible says a great wind and a great storm came up against that ship. It wasn't the sailor's fault. It was not the ship's fault. It was one person's fault. It was one man that decided to be in disobedience and, and, and move outside of God's will. I knew a person years ago. This happened to, and they moved outside of the, the will of God. Hear me. They loved God with all their heart. Hear me. They were actually in ministry, full time ministry. They loved the people of God. They had a good heart, doing good things, seeing God do great things. They prophesied the word. They preached the word of God. They were wonder, they were a wonderful person and a wonderful family. But in the end, they lost everything because they made a decision to move outside of the will of God. They couldn't bear the heat while they were in the kitchen. So they got in their flesh and started making flesh fearful decisions, just like that Corona is trying to do in our lives. To make flesh fearful decisions. Now I want to go my way. I want to, make, I want to appease myself. I want to have more peace. I want to have more contentment. Lord following you means i got to go to Nineveh and preach to people I don't even care about i got to go into a city They're probably going to reject you anyways. Why waste my time? I've done my time. I just want what I want. And this man did the same thing. He lost his health. He lost family. He lost his marriage. Lost the ministry. Lost his money. Was broke and broken. And I'm here to tell you, I pray for them every single day. I believe God will do a miracle in their life. But I'm here to tell you, no, no, I can pray all day long. But the truth of the matter is, the only thing that's going to count is when the most essential thing walks in their world. And they begin to repent and say, Lord, I was wrong. I was moving in this direction. No longer will I go this way. I will now come back. And I will go to your direction. (laughs) This man's life was essential. And the devil knew it. The devil couldn't stop it, but what he did was he dangled the carrot in front of that person and said, look, you've had all you can take. This is going to be a little more comforting for you. Just come on. Come on. Take a nice trip to Tarshish. There's beautiful beaches down there, man. Ain't nobody going to bother you. Nobody going to call you. Ain't got to put up with nobody's people junk. Just go sit and sip on a pina colada and work on your tan. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching to somebody right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. But instead, the devil tricked him. And, and got him deceived, this man I'm talking about, but also the same thing happened in Jonah's life. The Lord, as a result, there wasn't just the price of the ticket, it was the price of lives. The Lord sent a great wind. But watch this. The Bible says the Lord sent the wind. The Lord sent the storm. God was in the storm. Church, I'm convinced that God is in your storm. If he said he'd never leave you, no know, forsake you then he's got to be right there. If he said you make your bed in hell, he's got to be right there. No matter where you go, he said, I'll be with you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Therefore, even in the midst of the storm, God is all up in your business. You're blaming the devil for stuff that didn't happen. The only thing the devil did was get you tempted to get off course. It's time to get back with God. It's time to make it right with God. Today is the day of salvation. I had a dream years ago, and those in our church probably heard me say this a time or two, and, and <laughs> I had a dream as I was outside of the, the front of our church. We're on Howell Avenue, and there was a, a wind that was coming, a wind a great wind that was coming out of the west. And then all of a sudden, the clouds began to form, and a, and a massive tornado started heading. It was probably a mile or so away, but I could see the path was coming right towards our church. So it's coming now. I thought, no, it's not going to come in, this direction. in the name, I start rebuking. You know, it's power in your dreams. I start rebuking. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, this, this storm is coming to take this church down. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. You have no part of this. I mean, I'm going to town. I'm rebuking this. I'm rebuking the devil because I knew the devil was trying to tr- destroy this church. And so now watch this. Now watch this. I'm telling you, God can still be in your storm. Even though I'm rebuking the devil and the enemy meant, means for evil, God always means for good. He'll turn it around. So I'm rebuking this thing. I'm in the middle of Howell Avenue now. I look down and I go, Why, what am I on? I'm on a little kid's bike with the banana seat. You know, like those 1975 looking bike. Got a little shifter right there. Got the streamers coming out, man. Had like the, the little uh, back you put your back on and the reflectors. And I'm like, look at this little bike. And I thought, this is pretty cool. And here it come, it's coming now towards you. And I rebu- I'm rebuking. I'm on the, I'm on the bike. I'm on the bike, and I rebuking that thing. I rebuking. All of a sudden, that thing turned course, and now it spun out right in front of the the, uh, the parking lot here, and then comes right towards me. I said, "Oh no, Lord! Oh no!" You know, I will tell you about a storm. A storm will go for everything you got, go for your family, go for your money, everything. I'm gonna tell you something. Else. It's another thing when it gets personal. Fear hit me, and said, Lord, this thing's coming to kill me. It's coming to destroy me. And it came, and I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I command this storm, and I'm I'm doing what I can. And all of a sudden, that thing, it it changed course right before it hit me, but in the end, its tail, you know how it's got a little tail, whipped around and snapped me in my behind. And it hit me in my behind like that. And that force of that wind and the force of that tornado sent me flying down Howell Avenue. Thank God there was no traffic. Hallelujah. And I'm now flying. Those streamers are going like this, and I'm like, "Oh my God, oh my God!" I'm I'm probably going 80, 90 miles an hour or something like that. I'm flying down. I mean, I got wind in my sails, man. And I'm flying, and I mean, that bike is shaking. I'm scared. I'm fearful. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Hey, this is pretty cool." The bike quit shaking. I'm like, "Oh my God, when am I ever going to experience this again?" I'm, I'm now. I'm like, "This is incredible." And I woke up, and the Lord spoke to me, said, "There's a storm coming, son." But in the end, you will not be destroyed. Your church will not be destroyed. But in the end, it will actually propel you down your road into your future. Come on, somebody. And I got good gospel news for you today. The storm you're in right now, if God is in it, then if God is for you, who can be against you? God will cause you and set your sail full of wind and get you to a place you never thought possible. Glory to God. Let's look at verse number five. Then the mariners were afraid. And you know, rightfully so, they got a storm. It's, 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 it's going to kill them. And every man cried out to his God. Every man turns to what they know. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. They threw over what they deemed were the non-essentials. Thinking it would lighten the load. When you're not discerning of what God's trying to do, you'll throw away the things you actually need. The things that they threw out were not causing their problem. Something else was lurking in the bottom of their boat, but they did not have discernment to understand what it was thinking it would lighten the low. How many of you have been throw, throwing uh, your so-called non-essentials away thinking it would save you in the end? You threw away that marriage, thinking that it would be, make you happier. You threw away that relationship of your last church that you went to. I'm preaching real good now. Thinking you'd be better understood by another pastor. You threw away that, re- that friendship because you were offended, thinking you'd be better off without them anyways. Why did you do it? Because they were simply non-essential to you. They were inconsequential. You did not see their importance. I can make it without them. I can do it without them. They won't even miss me anyways. And I certainly ain't going to miss them. We get an attitude about it. But this morning, I got to say, I woke up. Very early, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I begin to thank God, which is my custom. And I begin to thank God for another day. And as I thank him, I said, Lord, I want to thank you that I serve a God, you Jehovah, that never throws your people away. You might throw this and that away, but there's one thing you'll never throw away, and that is your people. You are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Somebody should shout about that. They all may reject you. They all may cast you away. They all may throw you away. But this God will not. We need to adopt that kind of behavior and not get so quick to throw away the essentials thinking that they're actually the non-essentials. Verse 5. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship. Hey, he hit the bottom. He hit the bottom and lay down and was fast asleep. You know what he did? He quit. I don't care that there's a sea. I don't care if God, a uh, raging sea. I don't care that God wants me to preach in Nineveh. I don't care if I ever preach again. I'm going to live for me, and if I can't live for me, I'm just going to go ahead and die. This guy was not only depressed, he was so discouraged, he couldn't see the light of day. He had hit the bottom, and he became, he just said, I'm just going to, I'm going to lay down, and, that, and he fell asleep prophetically. Jonah was discouraged, and prophetically, this is where a lot of God's people are right now. You are so discouraged. It's like you're just going to just go with the wind, go with the waves, go with whatever comes your way, whatever this person says, whatever that person says, whatever the government says, hey, whatever my job says, and you're, just, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to overcome this. Let me just say that courage is the antidote to discouragement. Discourage. To take this is to take the courage to take out of. To take the courage out. So the antidote to discouragement is courage. If you want to get out of discouragement, you got to do something courageous. Everything requires your faith. Everything. Faith is not what I believe. Faith is in the action. The corresponding action to what I believe. It shows action. you got to show courage when you feel discouraged. And courage is not the absence of Fear. Let me say it again. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing what you're intimidated to do in spite of the fear. I may be fearful, but I'm going to do it anyways because I see God in it. I see the best for my families in it. I can see this is going to be the best outcome for God in this situation. So in spite of my fear, in spite of the intimidation I have right now to not do it, I'm going to do it anyways. Doing the will of God can be intimidating. And the enemy will will get you to look at that sea and see that it was impossible for you to overcome. And it will just say to you, you're going down. But let me make this statement. I made it on Thursday night if you didn't catch it. Intimidation is the bookmarker for the new chapter in your life. In other words, here you are, you thought it was the end. and Because what you're intimidated by, you don't think you can get through it. You think it's too much to bear. What's going on around you right now? All these reports and sicknesses and stuff in your life, financial pressures, all of that stuff, right? There's a bookmarker there. Why why do I say it's a bookmarker? Because in other words, God didn't end the book. He just ended the chapter, so the intimidation is saying i don't know if i can go on any further what you got to understand is unless you if you're going to get to the new chapter you've got to get through the intimidation then i said this learn to dominate what intimidates learn to stand up and say i'm not going to take it on the chin anymore i'm fighting back with everything that i've got verse 6 says so the captain came to him okay to jonah and said to him what do you mean sleeper <laughs> Arise. Second time you heard that. Arise. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. They didn't know who his God was. Perhaps your God, our God, is doing nothing. Our God's, we've cried out, and it's gotten worse. Perhaps your God has some mercy. Church, people are looking for answers. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for help. They're afraid. They're fearful. And we, the church, are asleep at the wheel or asleep at the bottom of the ship. It's time to arise. Let me say it again. It's time to arise. It's time to walk in the will of God with courage. It's time for us to wake from our slumber and and be the mighty warriors God has called us to be. We are essential. The church is essential. You are essential. Everybody shout, I am essential. If Jonah wasn't essential, he would have went to Tarshish and died there. But God had a plan for that man. And though he was a reluctant recruit, God said, I still got a plan for you. I'm not giving up on you. The storm is all around you. It looks like it's going down. I know you got an attitude. You've been disobedient. You've been in sin. I still love you. I still called you. My gifts and callings are without repentance. But the only way to get back in good graces with me is to do what I ask you to do. God needs your obedience because you are essential to his plan. God needs your heart because you are essential to his purpose. God needs your prayer because you are essential to his outpouring. God needs your boldness because you're essential to his influence in the earth. I want us to look at verse number 15. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea. It's going to be a short verse. And the sea ceased. From its raging. Church, I think God is giving us time during this quarantine to really figure out what's really essential and what's really non-essential in our life. Man, we didn't want to do this. We didn't want to sit around and have to think about all that stuff. We were trying to avoid it. We were trying to hide from it. Hide from the presence of God, or hide from the will of God in our lives, and now we've been to have to think about it, have conversations with it about it. You've probably prayed more now than you prayed a long time, and that's okay. That's kind of what this has been designed to do for the Christian. Here's the question: Are y'all ready for this? I don't know if you are, but here we go. What's lurking in the bottom of your boat right now that's trying to bring you down? It's not this little thing over here. What is the non-essential, the thing that you think is essential? But God says, no, that's non-essential. I want you to throw it over. If you want the storm to cease, I need you to get real with me and tell me what's in the bottom of your boat. What have you been living with that has caused you so much pain? That has caused you so much fear, hardship. That has caused you worry and anxiety. That has caused you rejection in your life. Isn't it time to throw out once and for all that thing in your life? Jonah, his problem was rebellion, disobedience, defiance, and lack of mercy for those he could actually impact for good caused a storm to threaten the lives of everyone that he was in contact with. We're afraid that corona we get in contact within six feet of somebody and they spit on us or something, you know, or they touch something and we touch it and we get it and we're gonna it's gonna kill us. And 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 we 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 are trying to slow the spread down. I, I wanna I want to say something to you. Let's do what we can do in the natural. We do I wash my hands. I do all the stuff. But I'm not, I am not, I refuse to live in fear. I'm I'm not going to stop living. I already got God's word on it, man. Here's something we need to consider. What if simultaneously, first the natural, then the spirit, the Bible says, first the natural, then the spiritual. What if God in the spirit simultaneously saying to the church, I want you to slow down the spread too. Not the spread of corona. That's going to be dealt with. I want you to slow down the spread of sin, and disobedience in your life. I do not tell you this because I think it's going to get a lot of clicks because if I put the heading on this to everybody, uh, the message about repentance, people wouldn't even tune in. They'd catch me next week if they didn't catch me at all. But you are now you got caught, so you're in it. Now you're, oh, Lord, yeah. Because it's ministering to you. This does not come out of anger. God loves you. The old statement, I believe the souls, God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you so much that he sent his son... I'm reminding you. I'm like a sounding uh, warning saying, don't keep going the wrong way. You're more than that. Your purpose means more than that. You are God's essential plan in the earth. You might have a plan that's smaller than mine or bigger than mine. It's all relative. It's just being obedient to what God asks. Quit going the wrong direction because you have paid the price and you're going to pay the ultimate price for that direction. But if you'll go the right way, and you go in the direction that God called you, God will bless you and a whole city because of Jonah's obedience. He finally obeyed God, by the way, and he obeyed and preached, and the whole city was spared. God spared a city because of one man's obedience from judgment.